And welcome to episode number six of the Insignificant Others podcast. I'm Brett Featherston, and I'm thrilled you're joining us. Please visit us at facebook.com slash insignificantotherspodcast, and let us know your thoughts and ideas for future guests. Our guest tonight is going to have a great story to share with you. Her name is Sabrina Schiller. Uh, You may know her as Sabrina Smith from NBC5. She was a broadcaster and reporter for NBC5 for several years. Does anybody remember Sabrina's solutions? (laughs) So Sabrina's got a great story. Sabrina has a son and triplet daughters. and, uh, And oh, by the way, she's involved in a ton of philanthropic areas here in the DFW Metroplex. And she is a recovering alcoholic. We're going to get into her story here in just a minute. It's a great story. You're going to love it. But first, let me introduce my podcasting partner in crime, Rob Flint. Hey, Rob. Hey, Brett. How you doing? Doing well. It's the, uh, the night before Martin Luther King Day, the holiday, and, and I dare say that I have a dream. <laughs> <laughs> and that dream is that we record a wonderful podcast, and I think that we're going to do that. I have a dream. Are you going to stand in the way of that dream? I am not going to stand in the way. Well, I may stand in the way Sabrina of that, but, will but not, not on stand purpose. In the way of that yeah. dream. There's, there's, the potential of me doing that is actually pretty high. Oh, well, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with my, my uh, quick points here, right? So number one is Larry David's impersonation of Bernie Sanders <laughs> is spot on, brilliant, so and hilarious. Larry David's hilarious. Have you seen that? Yeah. I saw that, and I laughed so hard, I literally cried. I don't know if he's he's actually doing an impersonation, or he's just being angry. It's angry Larry David. It is the same person. It is the same person. It is the same person. Uh, Here's a a short side story. I, once upon a time, worked on uh, Capitol Hill in Washington, and my boss at the time was on the House Banking and Financial Services Committee, and Bernie Sanders was a member of that committee. And I got to see a lot of behind-the-scenes Bernie Sanders. Was he angry then, too? He was just as angry then as he is now. <laughs> so, so Larry David's impersonation really strikes home. Number two is Sean Penn summoned his <laughs> inner oh, Spicoli by agreeing to meet with and interview the infamous El Chapo. I think he wanted cheap weed. Who, by the way, in my humble opinion, should be extradited to the United States. He'll, he'll escape before extradition, but yes, I agree. He, he pro- should be. <laughs> he probably will. That's such a Shawshank Redemption story, though. Swimming through the sewer lines to get to freedom. No, oh, absolutely. And what is our country's fascination with either the El Chapos of the world or mm-hmm. Pablo Escobar's, you Do you know, watch the Noriega's? Oh, yeah. It's, it's Netflix, awesome. Yeah. Have I you seen it. that? Yes. It's I good. I like it a lot. But you know what people don't realize about El Chapo and any kind of drug lord is that um, he's a murderer. I mean, oh. think of all the heroin. The heroin epidemic in our country is out of control. And a lot of our young kids start out with Oxycontin and take these painkillers. It's an epidemic. It's, it's crazy. And they, and they get addicted but, but see, you, to you, the painkillers. You think the gun manufacturers are murderers, too. So well, that's I a do different that. topic. I do I'm not going to get that. into that with but you. El but El Chapo, I think, is even worse. And the reason why is because oh, any, yeah. anybody that gets heroin to our kids is uh, probably, oh, in yeah. my mind, the worst person on the planet. I'll kill them. Yeah. You know? It's like, because, um, I, you know, I'm glad we're talking about addiction and recovery and stuff like that because um, I just read this article by this woman who said, I, and it said, I raised an addict. And it was about um, a, a kid, an athlete, you know, and these kids get hurt mm-hmm. and then they're given painkillers. And then they, get, then they go, after they get so addicted, then they go to the needle. And, you know, this kid is a great kid, made straight A's. He was the one who used to tattle and knock out people for drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, so, and it blows me away that Sean Penn gets away with having a meeting with El Chapo. I know who is a mass murderer, really. Yeah, right, right. So number three is <laughs> coming off the Strong heels. Here. Coming off the heels of the college football playoff championship, I can't help, even though it kills me to say this, that Nick Saban is the best college football coach of all time, and I know this is going to be blasphemy. <laughs> In Alabama, but even better than Bear Bryant. Yeah, yeah. Did you see is. that game? It, it, it's he had an inferior team to Clemson. Clemson, absolutely. Yes, and won the game. 
Yes, he won. I mean, the decisions that in-game decisions that he made were incredible. Yeah. Number four, there is nothing more annoying, and as I look at his end, as I say it, this at the same time, nothing more annoying than completely shattering your iPhone screen, <laughs> which yes. I have done. Mine, mm-hmm. Which I have done, and and I have uh, thankfully made the effort to get the replacement sent to uh, to my home, but um, this is seriously challenging my eyesight. Uh-huh. Well, not, mine's been like that for like a year and a half. Not to I've mention the, sh- about it. the shards of glass that I have in my, my, <laughs> in my finger. Yeah. Yes. Poor, poor so, man. Sabrina, don't mind the bloody finger that, I, <laughs> that I'm you know, kind of dangling here. And then my last and final point, number five. So we're 17 days into 2016, and I'm still on track to make all of my New Year's resolutions come true. <laughs> By the end of the year, I'm going to be skinny, in shape, <laughs> Good looking, <laughs> successful, and have more than one friend. <laughs> so, Sabrina, what? You guys are funny. Do you, do you have really funny? Did and you make any New Year's resolutions, or are you? Our family did as one, one together, and it was um, it was to to stop the sarcasm in our house because apparently our family therapist says that's destructive. To be sarcastic, and um, that's if there wasn't be sarcasm, really hard, I, I for wouldn't us. survive without sarcasm. <laughs> if there wasn't sarcasm in my house, it would be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we've discovered, and we're allowed to call each other every time there's a sarcastic. So we had a family dinner tonight, and it was like, "Oh, you, you, nope, you did it, you did it, you did it." <laughs> you you should really have the, the jar that anytime anybody's sarcastic, they have to put a dollar in. We'd have like a gazillion dollars. We'd have so much money. I know. Um, so that's really hard. I, I, it's it's apparently very demeaning to people when you're sarcastic, and um, and even saying stuff like I said over the holidays because we do Hanukkah and Christmas at our house, and so the the presents just keep coming and coming. And I said to my father-in-law, I said, "Oh, and these kids are so deprived." And Miles, my son, said sarcasm. I was like, "Oh, great!" <laughs> so you've already broken. Yeah, yeah. I've already. Bro- oh, yeah. So yeah, forget about these resolutions and stuff like that. And by the way, I used to always, always every New Year, I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit drinking. <laughs> I'm going to quit drinking. And slowly, I mean, I'd last like a month, maybe. Mm-hmm. That, I th- back in the early, like 20 years ago, I could go a month, and then. And then start up again. Yeah, and then you start up again. And All right, so, so. B- before we get into that, which which I think is wonderful, I think it's going to be very helpful for the three of our listeners, that, uh, the three of the six that, that, well, that I know personally drink th- too thankfully much. Thankfully, Sabrina's married, so maybe so maybe we'll have four. Maybe he'll live. Yeah, we can have more. Yeah, there, yes. there might more. So uh, let's go back. You okay. grew up in a suburb of Houston. Right. Very good student in high school. Yes. Went to University of Texas. I, I'd like to uh, have you kind of describe your upbringing in college environment and, and more specifically, because I think it's so cool that you were actually a television news reporter. Right. If you can tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved in it and when you wanted to know. and, and Yeah. And, and I, I once we get to it, so this is a whole lot, you know, I'm asking you to write a book now, but... Uh, how did that actually come to fruition? I always liked writing, and that's one of the uh, the the things you have to be able to do if you want to be a news reporter is be able to write well and write short, succinct. Um, I actually started when I was young, and I would write poetry, and I would write poems for my friends. Um, later on, you know, the first boyfriends, you know, love poems and very romantic sounding, you know. It, and, you know, I hear poetry is making a huge it's making comeback. A comeback. Yeah. Maybe I, should I think an American Way magazine poems. had something, all these little uh, clubs where people will read poetry. There's like several of them that are popping up all over the country now. Do you, um, you guys probably, have you ever heard of Edna St. Vincent Millay? Mm-hmm. She was one of my heroes. And, a poet, uh, you know, a, a beautiful poet, um, and uh, you've heard the expression "my candle burns at both ends." Yeah, that's from her, from one of her poems. And anyway, she's she's. Um, would you like to hear that poem real quick? It just says, "My candle burns at both." It kind of describes me. I feel like, or describes probably some of our lives. She says, "My candle burns at both ends. It will not last the night, but oh, my friends and oh, my foes, it gives a lovely light." Hmm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sounds like a lot of nights that I've had. 
Um, so when did you know that you wanted to be a news reporter? So I, I would say it was about my uh, junior year of high school. Um, it's funny because so many people are like, well, you don't need to know what you want to do when you're in high school, of course, or even college, you know. I'm like, oh, no, yes, you do. I did. I knew what I wanted to do. Well, I'm knocking um, on the door of 50, and I don't know what I want to do yet, so. <laughs> it's kind of scary. I, I really just knew. I, I started writing for the newspaper, and then, um, you know, that was fun, but I was like, I want to take it to another level. I would like to do an, a news report, you know, and get on TV. That sounds exciting, you know, especially breaking news. And so I, I decided to apply for this internship for this local cable news channel, which probably, like y'all are talking about your podcast, three people watched, you know. Thanks, Sabrina. <laughs> It's funnier when we say. No, no, it's funny. Though. Yeah, it is funny. But like, least. if y'all had an intern come to you and say, uh, "Can I just help you guys out for free and just help you with your equipment?" You'd be like, "Yeah, sure." That's basically what I did with this woman. It, she was like a one-man band and shot her own film and everything. And so I worked for her and I learned how to do it. And I remember she couldn't come to some fire, and I had to interview the fire chief. And I was so nervous, like my hand was shaking. Oh, I could yeah. barely, barely hold the microphone. I was so nervous. I mean, I was 16 years old. But, but at the same time, that gave me a high, if you will. Yeah. I just loved it. I just couldn't get enough of it. And so therein started the... I started talking to some of the Houston newscasters, asking them... Can I, when you were in high school? When I was in high school, Yeah. How did you, were they? I went to a symposium through the journalism class that I took in high school. Uh And I went up to one of the reporters and became friends with her and just said, can I call you? Can I ask you questions? How do I do this? And she's like, it's very competitive. You have to learn how to write. You've got to work for free and do internship after internship. You got to start. She told me what the deal was when I was young so i didn't i wasn't didn't have these visions of i'm gonna go to new york right away you know mm-hmm. she's like you're gonna have to start in a small town so knowing that i went to ut they had a great journalism program and um and i got in the journalism program and i just it's almost like an obsession it just became part of my life not that i i did have a i guess i had a okay social life but even though i was a sorority girl and all that stuff I really didn't do that much I really focused mainly on my career I was like this the career you know so you had a 4.0 in college but this whole time you knew in the back of your head that this is this was the be all and end all you've got to be a tv news reporter and you know what's funny about that 4.0 is that and then one one year I did get a 3.8 so one semester so it's <sighs> not a slacker. total I know what isn't that happened? awful but it it, it I don't know why I was so obsessed with those grades because uh, I don't think it even they didn't even care, you know, they, <laughs> about my GPA, the news people, you know, when I was trying to get a job. But I do think it showed uh, that drive that you need and aggressiveness and that kind of stuff. So when my, my first job out of college was um, working in Harlingen, Texas. Was that a paid job? Yes, it was. Paid $17,000 a year. Okay, I'm making Sweet. big bucks. And I had to get up at three o'clock in the morning. Lots of ramen noodles. Oh, lo- oh, and it, well, I got talk about getting chunky, you know, down there, and the, you know, it's lots of tortillas, Mexican and, food. Yeah, the Latino culture was so wonderful, and uh, just these families sort of adopted their gringo, you know, friend, and took me in. But you've got fed a lot of tortillas, rice and beans, and. Yeah, subsisted on that, and but worked and worked there for a year and a half, um, doing like the morning news in the morning, and I did my my newscast in the morning, and then we went out and did the reporting. But the newscast in the morning, I would do my part in English, and then I had Carlos, my co-anchor, who do the do it in Spanish. Oh wow! Right after I was done, that's really? how the two of us like at. Started at four in the morning in the valley. And how yeah. did you get that job? Um, I worked for Carol Neeland, who is a really well-known. She's passed away now um, from breast cancer, but she she's just um, a fabulous woman who was a um, a capital reporter for WFAA uh, uh, and covered the capital, Austin, and um, 
And I kind of was like her protege, you know, worked my butt off for her. And she said, you know, I'm going to teach you how to do this to where you write really well and you can perform live well and, and you get a lot of practice. You know, we did a lot of practice reels so you have a resume tape. Right. And plus you have the experience to back you. And then I have her reputation behind it because it is a lot about who you know. Right. And so um, she helped me with these small markets. I drove to, for my spring break, when everybody was out partying, my friend and I drove to um, all these little towns and interviewed for jobs. Really? Like Wichita Falls, Harlingen. Where else did we go? Midland, Odessa. So you, you got in, you started at Harlingen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you were saying before, you have to start working for free. Where did you... Well, that, that, that those was were the, internships? the years before. Yeah. I mean, probably four years of college working anywhere you can go that somebody will give you some time you're gonna do it and i'll do it for free Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. wow and you just say i'll do whatever you want just let me let me work with you you know whoever the reporter is and so seventeen thousand dollars in harlan it seems like a lot of money at the time um i knew back then that it wasn't very much money but it, it, it yeah i guess because i was only 22 years old i what you know? What seemed like a lot of money is I I got a job a year and a half later in San Antonio making like twenty five thousand. You thought you were rich? <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, me? I thought I was rolling. In yes, it. and 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 it really now you know it, it that is still a lot of money for a single young twenty sure. four year old. Yeah, you know in a in a and I made a big market jump. To me, that was a big huge so opportunity. Jump, you know, to go from. Little Harlingen, all the way to San Antonio, which is a big city. Um, and that was a lot, a lot, too. It wasn't like I was so skilled. It was like I had knew somebody that I used to work for as an intern who had watched me sort of flourish. And they needed a nightbeat crime reporter. And they had never had a female at this station do it. And they were like, you're going to see a lot of dead people and dead bodies. I was like, I'm gonna get, okay, I'm going to do this. And I went after that job, and the, the guy who I used to work for put in a good word for me. And I know, I know that, um, oh, this is a great story for people about determination. Um, okay, so I go to interview for that job in San Antonio. And the guy, the, my boss-to-be, wouldn't even come out to the lobby to see me. <laughs> he said he didn't have time. He, uh, he already knew who the person was, this 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 man who he who was definitely a good reporter but he he said i've already made my decision you know you can just go back you can go back to um the valley go back to the valley and you're not ready yet it it, anyway you've only spent a year and a half there you haven't really paid your dues and so i just said i'm gonna sit here until you're um until you see me i'm gonna sit in the lobby until you see me and i sat up there one hour two hours Three hours go by. Finally, he's about to leave to go home, and he has to walk through the front lobby. And he just goes, you are still here. (laughs) And I go, yeah, I'm still here. I really want to work for you. It was the number one station in San Antonio. It's like the, the, the far and above the other ones. And I just was like, I know this is for me. You know how you get that intuitive Mm -hmm. feeling. And, and so um, a week later, and he goes, okay, let me have your tape. And so I gave him my tape, gave him my resume, talked to him in the front lobby. And he just goes, I'm leaving. I'm going home. I promise you I will look at the tape, though. A week later, I get a call from his assistant who basically hires me. And blah, 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 this. You're going to do this. You're gonna, this is how much you're going to make. You're going to do the crime report. You're going to be on the nightly news, which I was so excited about. So once I start working for him, I said something to him later on, like, well, you saw my tape. I mean, you know what I can do. And he right. goes, I never looked at never. it. Never even looked at it. It's Just from your determination. You would not leave my lobby. That's he great. goes, I, I hired you to actually get you to go away. <laughs> Like Sabrina, you but because I would call, 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 and um, so that is the persistence that some people just want you to go away. Yeah, and they'll give you a job. Like they're like you bug the you bug the shit out of me. So yeah, I'm gonna hire you. Yeah, yeah. And then and it and I always tell my son that I'm like, it doesn't matter if you're bothering people, and also there are no stupid questions. Yeah. 
You know, when your kids are like, yeah. I'm too scared to ask. No, ask it, ask it, you know? That's a great story. So, so you went from Harlingen to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. What was the next step after that? And then I jumped to Dallas after that. Really? And usually you, you need to go like to sort of like then to another medium-sized city like New Orleans. And I was actually trying to get a job in New Orleans because my husband was in uh, – well, he, he was my boyfriend at the time. But, but I, you know, I knew we were going to be together. That was another determining fa- like determined factor. When I met him, I was like, we're going to – okay, we're going to be together. Here's the plan. Here's the trajectory. We're going to do this, this, and this. And he was in grad school in, uh, at Tulane in New Orleans. And so I was trying to get a job there so he, you know, um, so I could be with him. And, uh, um, and it didn't, no, I didn't get hired. I, 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 they chose somebody else. And, um, and I was kind of sad about it. And then he got a job in San Antonio, though, after grad school. So he's, here he is in San Antonio. And a you're month going to Dallas. After he gets the job oh, with no. me. <laughs> In San Antonio, I get uh, a call from this news director here at NBC. Um, Dave Overton was his name, and he called me and offered me the job. And I was like, oh, "I'm sorry. I mean, I love you, but I gotta go." You know, yeah, right? It, it, everything was about you know getting to the to I guess what you'd call like a top ten market. It, and know? and then you're in, in uh, Dallas Fort Worth. Right. Fraud, scandal, and <laughs> The answer, the investigators on NBC5. Sabrina Smith and Jay Gray digging deep to find the truth. After looking into the case, we finally found some answers. That's We're you. Taking you oh, yes. <laughs> wow. The investigators. We're looking for some, some answers on this podcast, Sabrina. <laughs> this is so much fun. So <laughs> That you, brings back memories. Oh, gosh. You got the job here mm-hmm. as in, what was doing your... investigative reporting, and um, and there was a lot I liked about that, um, but there were some things I didn't too. Uh, mainly um, the legal stuff that you have to deal with. You know, you worried about getting sued. And, yeah. Um, and and you could, also you can ruin somebody's life if you're not careful. And yeah. I, I, wanted to be careful and it was very stressful it was very um um and if you want you were asking me about when the the drinking actually picked up was probably during after i got into dallas and i was working that that job because i was young i was only 27 years old and here you are in a major market. Yes, yes, at a very young age. And then I I'd actually made my goal. I, here I am in yeah. in the but but it didn't feel that great. You know how you think this is going to make me happy. Yeah. And then my husband, our boyfriend at the time moved here, got a job um in commercial real estate here, actually was able to do that, leave his clients, get a job here, had a great I had bought my own place. I bought a high-rise apartment in Uptown. And to me, that was like, you know, I felt like Marlo Thomas. Like, she's going to make it <laughs> after, after all. all. Yeah, I mean, I like, that's good. That's I good. mean, I really, I was like, I've arrived, so to speak. That's what I'm thinking. But actually, I hadn't arrived. I, and you're like, why aren't I happy? Uh, well, well, more, um, yes, but I wish I had been that smart to whittle it down to that. It was more just like, what am I missing? I mean, what? Yeah. Why? Why do I just don't feel? Is this it? Um, and I think part of that was the lingering notion in my mind, knowing that, you know, I am, I'm more than a problem drinker. I, 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 so, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, it's getting, it's getting worse. In other words, bef- before we get into that, um, tell us about the craziest, most memorable story that you ever covered as a reporter? Gosh, there's so many. The one that sticks in your head the most. Because um, you had a couple of different... You did investigative reporting, and you did Sabrina's Solutions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I thought people get real mad and um, chase us with the... Uh, the photo- you should probably have the photographer that I worked with, CJ, um, on here. He's a big tall, uh, got big muscles, African-American guy with dreadlocks. I mean, he, he, 
and he grew up in Tulsa in a rough area. He doesn't look like any wimp, let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. He was genuinely scared to death sometimes, too. Um, I think the scariest time was probably not even, I mean, because people threaten you, and you don't know. I mean, uh, uh, when they're, there's something about that part of it that I didn't like, like catching someone doing something wrong just because I know that I do a lot of things wrong, too. Yeah, and you didn't want I wouldn't. I, I, you didn't press it. I didn't like that. I, I did press it. You did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did press it. Like I, because that's what I was getting paid to do. It's almost like working against. You know, it's for the good of somebody. Let's say people are ripping off poor people or something. That's yeah, it's horrible, and you need to expose it. Or maybe that you were pressing them brought introspection mm-hmm. in you mm-hmm. that made mm-hmm. you face some of the oh yeah oh some yeah. of the things that were going on inside and maybe the wrong things that you were doing at the time right right or yeah just the things like i would not want anybody to shine a spotlight on these yeah. things you know um did you ever feel bad just mm-hmm. forcing the issue putting mm-hmm. a camera in somebody's face mm-hmm. you know the aha moment Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's gratifying professionally because you're getting the story, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you're... Felt like I was go- kind of going against... Encroaching on their personal space. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt like more my gift was more drawing people out in interviews and talking to them as opposed to just confronting people, you know, and just getting them mad. I mean, mm-hmm. I do that enough with my husband. It, I mean, it's <laughs> funny. Uh, I saw an article by Becky Oliver... Uh-huh. Recently, I guess she's mm-hmm. switching to sell real estate, something oh, okay. like that. Uh-huh. But so she did this investigative reporting, and, and in the little uh, article, it said that legally, she was never supposed to use the word confrontation. They were unscheduled interviews mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. didn't want her to be mm-hmm. seen. It, you know, legally, somebody could sue them if she was being confrontational. Yeah. I guess, but mm-hmm. an unscheduled interview is okay, <laughs> even right. though I'm catching you as you're leaving your office. It's an unscheduled interview. Yeah, I'm coming here going. Why did you steal that money? I mean, a lot of people think it's shitty, and it, and it, and it is in some ways. So, it is. but but do you think I was gonna um, not do it because that was what I was getting paid to do? And it's almost like a rush. You will you will you. There's that you do. You feel anxious, and your heart beats. And yeah, I guess it is a. There, if you do get them to react, that is, especially if they're so-called like a r- person who's ripping people off. There's something gratifying, I guess, about that. But it's more just, oh, is this is going to shock people and get viewers. You yeah. Know? And um, so I think it's a battle. It's a battle. Either, uh, yeah, definitely. I went against some of. Them, who I felt I was, you know, it's like, but this is what I'm paid to do. So what about an embarrassing moment? Um, that would be on my first day in the Valley on my first time as a professional broadcaster, we had like a teleprompter, you know, you read the, the screen off of, and they had a knob that you turned it with. You had to turn it yourself? You had to turn it yourself. This, oh, I'm really? telling you, this is not high-grade <laughs> high uh, equipment, you guys. And so I'm turning it, and then I'm turning it and turning it. And first of all, I'm so nervous, and I'm stumbling and stumbling and stumbling. And then it falls down, and it drops. And so I duck under the desk. There's still, they still have tape of that. I have been hounded with that video over and over again. I duck under the desk and then pop back up and say, oh, I'm sorry, I dropped my teleprompter knob. Like, people are going to know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Because that happens to me every day. And and, and, (laughs) It was, but luckily, like we were talking about, six people saw that embarrassing moment, and that's... Except for the videotape that's been replayed over and over again. Oh, yeah. it has been. It's so much. In fact, I won like a an Associated Press award, and then one of the they were like, "Congratulations!" And they made this tape, and they of, "Oh, she's done this. She's done this." And they're like, "And then there's this," and then they'll play it. Yeah. So, how many years were you on with NBC Five? Oh, let's see. At least oh, full time about ten years, and then. Then after I had my son, I went like part time, and so about fifteen years with them. Wow, that's a long time. It's, it's a, a long, long time. Yeah, and it, it, it's funny because um, those those people that you work with, like CJ, the guy I was telling you about, the photographer, it's like your work spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
know, I, I, Jay Gray. That's okay. I miss him. The work spouse. Yeah. You just brought up something that I think anybody can identify with in uh-huh. terms of people you work with uh-huh. closely, and then arguably, depending on what you do, you may mm-hmm. spend more time with them mm-hmm. than you do your actual spouse. Yes. But I've never heard it defined as work spouse. Oh, he was my work spouse. And we definitely, we That's... had our, we almost got a divorce a couple times. <laughs> we had, had our fights. Downs, he and Adam days, used bad to days. talk. My, he and my husband would talk once in a while. And he'd just bitch to Adam <laughs> about how do you do it? And he would, he would say things, like I told you, he was a tough guy from the hood in, um, well, you know, he grew up in the projects in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. And then he would come and um, after I bought a house in the Park Cities, like I would call him and say, can you just pick me up? Because, you know, we drove together all the time anyway in the news van. And I, and he'd just go, oh, and he'd call it driving Miss Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> he'd go, I, I want y'all to interview him. He's amazing. He is such a great, he's won so many awards. He's a great photo. You don't call him Hoke, do you? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, he would just say driving Miss Daisy, okay. And then we'd always have to stop for my coffee and my this and that. And, um, you know, he just... I think I would have been on the phone with your husband as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and Jay Gray and I worked together a lot, too, my my partner in there. And um, not as much, but... Uh, I miss him. I don't, I don't, you know, we have lost touch with him. You got, you guys are like, you know, guys, you just lose touch with, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, All right. So let, let's switch gears here a little bit. You've got uh, almost a decade and a half with NBC five. Yeah. During this time, during college. Yeah. You're, you're drinking like yeah. mm-hmm. normal college kids and, mm-hmm. and most everybody else you're, you're drinking. When was it that you knew that you had a problem with alcohol? Um, I think I always knew. That's what's funny. But I, to admit it is is another whole thing, right? No, so so that, that's a whole it, can of worms there. Right, it's like yeah. how many times you know, you know there's like somebody you can't admit. If somebody were to ask you, when did you figure out you were fat? I mean, not that you are fat. You're not. I uh, just use that. I use that analogy. Just for the benefit of our listeners, <laughs> Sabrina's talking to Brett. Not, not me. Not me. That's okay. Neither of you guys are Look, fat. Look, I okay. knew I was fat a long time ago. But is you don't have to bring it up now. Is this is this a trick on me? <laughs> is this this an is inter- an intervention on me. This is an that. intervention for, for you that we, we Brett and I planned this. But but you know how you know this thing about yourself all along? But yet to voice it is another thing. And so um, what from my first drink? I mean, most people don't remember their first drink. I mean, do you guys remember your first drink? I do. I do. You do? Oh, well, I do. Okay, you might want to look into that. No, uh, <laughs> no, but okay. But was it like uh, okay? Let's think back to you. Do you remember the first time you got sick from drinking? I. Th- I think I can guess, but I don't remember it distinctly. Okay, no. after you got sick from drinking, did you wake up the next day going, I can't wait to do that again? No. Really, you did? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Ask any problem. You, you, you never had that, oh, I'm never going to drink again. You never had the ever. guilt factor kind of? Mm, yeah, for like five minutes. And then your uh, mind goes to, how can I do that again without getting so sick? Wow. Um. And, you know, that's how you know. <laughs> there's a difference between, like, there's always an obsession. Somehow, some way, I'm going to beat this game. Next time, I'll drink water in between. I'll have that glass of wine, okay? Then I'll drink a glass of water. I'll space it out. I won't drink hard alcohol. I'll just do wine or beer. Doesn't matter. Still get loaded. Um, how about this one? Uh I will drink only clear liquid yeah. drinks, vodka, anything. That's a total myth, by the way. That's such bullshit. I hate when people think that. I poor me. I thought that for years. Like if I just drink to the clear liquids, then yeah, it's going to be. Cannot yeah. get a headache. You can't get hungover. Uh uh-uh, uh No, no. You still. So I, I know this. This at some level has got to be difficult for you to share. But since I've known you, you've been so open and honest mm-hmm. about this uh, with everybody. You know, so it's. It, Thank you very much for sharing it. Sure. When did you get to that point where, what was the low point that where you said, all right, now I can admit it. Now I know this isn't normal. Mm -hmm. Um, I was sitting, you know, 
it's funny because my neighbor down the street, I knew she didn't drink, but she was still so much fun. And I, I was kind of fascinated with her. You know, you know how that's when somebody has a, you spot it, you got it. They say, yeah. you know, like, how is she? I was like, how is she doing this? Like, she's so much fun at parties. She enjoys her life. She, she's, which, oh, by the way, is the way that I've always known you, because I never Thank knew you. you when you were drinking, but you're always yeah. so much fun without drinking. Thank you. Well, I promise you, you if I was drinking, really, you wouldn't really want to be around <laughs> me. No, you wouldn't. It, it, it would be awful. I, it, I take fun to, I, I take all the fun out of fun. Um, but so, she, um, and so I, I, I woke up, it was, one of, it was like one of those days like any other, you know, like after a hangover, and woke up, and um, my son was, I think, like two years old, and I had flirted with the idea, of, not flirted with, I had tried to quit on my own for years. Every New Year's, I'd be like, Sabrina, you have, you've gotten to this television market, you've worked your butt off, you make great grades, you've, you, you have this great son, you have a nice husband, you've done it all, you've, you've been successful, you can conquer this. This is a glass of booze. Surely you can do this. And I'd swear up and down, not today, not today, not today, do all the prayers, God, please don't let me drink, don't let me drink, don't let me drink. I, bargains. I promise I'll be this great Gandhi person, da 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 And then, like, I'd make the pledge, started getting to where I'd make the pledge that morning. I think my son was about two or three years old. That morning, by 4 o'clock, I was going to the liquor store. And I was like, how does that happen? I had such great resolve. And it's almost like the car's turning itself Mm -hmm. into the, and just go out. Okay, I'm going to go to this party. And I remember distinctly, I had gone to that friend's party. It was her 40th birthday. And I saw her drinking non-alcoholic champagne and having a good time. I was like, how is that possible? It just seemed like you might as well have told me, um, either do that or carve Mount Rushmore into the side of a mountain. I'd be like, I I can do Mount Rushmore. I can handle that. So I'm looking at her, and I go in, and I said... They said, would you like non-alcohol? They were like, do you want the, just the fun bubbly stuff without the alcohol or, you know, and join her over there? Or, or she's just mixing around with other people too. Or do you want the other stuff? And I serve drinks at my house too. I'm like, Why should you guys be punished for? And I actually enjoy like serving people. But I, at that time, I just had no concept of that. You can actually have a good time without booze. So I said, I'd made a pledge that morning, and I kept repeating it that day. I'm not going to drink alcohol at this friend's party. And I did. And I drank so much, got so sick, woke up the next day, tried to have a picnic with my son outside, and the heat's blaring down. I mean, you guys mm-hmm. have been there. Yeah. Everybody who's ever had a hangover knows it's the worst. When the heat, the sun's on you, and you, somebody walks up, you know, wearing white, and you're like, oh, oh, stop, no. And you're just reeking of booze and... And I was just like, you know what? I had that aha moment like, I can't do this on my own. I don't know if it was like a presence of like a hot, just realizing this is bigger than me. Right. I cannot tackle this. I've got to get help. And I didn't know what that looked like, but I did know that she was doing something. I mean, I knew she was in AA. And I knew that she had done a 12-step program. And so, I, had she I talked to you about that before? I'd ask, oh, she said I would get loaded and ask her questions all the time. Really, and you and, didn't know? Well, yeah, Kinda. I vaguely remember being fascinated with it and obsessed with it. You know, like like asking so many questions. Like the doctor, I went to my. It's almost like the drunk you knew yeah, what the sober you needed. To needed. Do. Yeah. And, well, even my physician, like I went to my doctor and I said, you know what, I've gotten in. Hey, hey, I know this is going to be surprising to you, but I've gotten sober. And he was like, well, you're not a surprise at all. And I said, well, how did you know? You never saw me drunk. I mean, a lot of people, I never showed up to work drunk. It wasn't like people, that's why people like, I never had a morning drink. I never showed up to work drunk. It's not like that. It's, it's um, the obsession. 
And so he goes, oh, I knew. And he said, you'd come in here with your log and say, I drank this much last week. I drank this much this week. I can't be a problem drinker, right? I can't be an alcoholic. And he goes, that's how I knew you were. Because who else keeps track of it? Yeah. yeah. So did you, did you drink while you were pregnant with your son? No. And, you know, that's another thing. Well, then you're not an alcoholic. You could quit for nine months. Yes, you can quit. I can quit for, for nine months, but the minute I had him, I went back to it. Well, that goes to... I we, can stop, but I can't stay stopped. We, we talked earlier, mm-hmm. before we started recording, you were saying that in college you would bear oh, right, down right, right, on right. your studies, right, right, knowing right. that you had to get a job done. Yes, yeah. And then exams would pass, and then right. you would just... And it's not that I didn't... So I don't want to say... I hate when... I, 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 this is what I not hate, but I feel so bad for people that do... Okay, if I had taken a drink while my, I was pregnant with my son, I promise you I would have gotten drunk because I wouldn't be able to stop. And I think I knew that. Mm-hmm. See, And so, so many people will say, oh, she drank while she was pregnant about certain people that come into recovery. How could she? She drank while she was pregnant. Well, what about all the people that drive after they've had too much to drink with their kids in the car? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the same thing? Yeah, yeah. So we can't morally, I mean, we can and people do, but, you know, before you cast that stone, I want you know everybody to think about. I have probably, you know, I don't know about you guys, but there's got to be a time you can think of. You know what? I probably should was yeah. taking a little risk putting my kids in the Absolutely. car after that party. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Did your Did your husband know from the time that he met you up until the time that you had this epiphany that you had a problem? Did he know that you were an alcoholic? I don't think he knew enough about the illness to know that's what it was. He just knew that I I would drink too much and get sick. And he would always be like, and, and you know, he probably prevented me from hitting that place that I, years earlier, because he was there to pick up the pieces a lot of times. How often, so, you've mentioned about getting sick after drinking. Is Was there a correlation there that when you drink, you would get sick almost Every time, uh, if, yeah, because I'd over uh, at, near the end, it would happen more frequently that I drink way too much and get sick. Um, uh, if you drink that much, you're poisoning your body and you're going to throw up. Yeah, right. Um, and so I ended up drinking that much every time. I mean, earlier on, there were times I could control it sometimes, but um, I think my husband realized um, we went to New York. I had a job interview with a station there in New York. And that's the ultimate reporter's dream sure. to get to New York, right? And we and he, he said, okay, we're going to go out to dinner beforehand. He went up there with me. I mean, he knew it was a big deal. And I think this is when he realized, okay, this is something way bigger than a human being can help her with. Because, um, you know, he would always, he just felt bad for me. I mean, he was never shaming, like, because he drinks his fair share too. He's not, but he's not an alcoholic. He can control that amount. And he would be like, God, just drink water in between. Gosh. And, you know, and encouraging me that way. Or then he'd say, I'll quit with you. And I was always like, no, no, we don't need to quit. We don't need to quit yeah. this. Because um, I didn't want to give it up. Um, but so I went up to New York for this job interview. And um, we went out the night before. And I just drank way so much that I was so sick the next day I couldn't go in for the job interview. No. For my dream job. And that's when uh, he said, wow, um, I, I just, the cab ride home, you know, if he just said it, there's, do you, he would say, he would say a lot, like, do you want to, I'm worried about, you know, but what can you do? That that just shows people that this is not a love can solve it. Well, you know? it's nobody else you know? can solve your problem. You've got to solve it for yourself. You've got to come to that point where you're saying, okay. And, and and also people think all the time. Well, it, it says in our AA, in our the book of AA, um, it talks about this illness, and it says um, that frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices to get these people, and that means kids hanging on your knee, saying, "Daddy, don't go. Mom, don't go." You know. Um, or your spouse yeah, yeah. hanging on you. That, 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 that 
doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you're a sick person who needs to get well and you need something bigger than you to help you. So um, I, I think kind of uh, the, the great part of the story is you did get help. And you, yes, you've, yes. You've been sober for a long yeah. time now. But you do a lot of work with other people going through similar things. Can you talk a little bit about, and not naming names or, mm-hmm. or, or violating confidentiality with that, but mm-hmm. can you kind of talk about how you've helped other people in these challenging situations? Well, that's kind of the magic of it all. That's the good, good juju to it all. And I want to tell you um, also just in the... Uh, to be completely honest, I have, I have relapsed various times and I changed my date not too long ago. Well, it's been about a year now because of pills. I cha- I'd taken probably most people would say, okay, you, why change your sobriety date over that? But it's like I've evolved enough in my sobriety where I'm like, no, you know, I, I want to keep it just because I don't ever want to I don't want to go back to that dark place. Right. Yeah. You know? Keep the integrity of it. But yes. When you say yes. pills, what do you? Um, well, like I took like too many of Xanax. Or, you know, I took. Yeah. I, I took more than I needed, and it gnawed at me. And I never told my sponsor about it until recently. I was redoing my inventory, and I said, "You know what? I want to change my date." She's like, "Well, it's pills. It's not alcohol. I, it doesn't matter. I need to change it because it's a solid form of alcohol in my mind." Um. It's just something I have to do for me. It's one of those things like... Maintain the integrity of that day because that's... Well, you just try to be more honest. Because I still am a liar about a lot of things, but that's one thing I can't lie about is, you know, it, or else if I do, I'm going to get loaded again. If I, yeah. if I lie about, you know, if I were to go home and try to sneak and, you know, be like, oh, Brett will never find this out, you know. Because you're, you're just lying to yourself. Yeah. 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 And it ends up, it's unfortunately one of those, well, I guess it's fortunate that it's one of those things that really does make you look at yourself. And um, it, it's like you win by losing. Right. Right. Ha- have you sponsored other people? Oh, yes. And that's where the step 12 is sponsoring other people. How many that's people have you sponsored? Magic, oh, just probably hundreds of people, the people that, and it it doesn't matter if they get well or not. Guess what? It keeps me sober. Yeah. Because the chances are, I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones. It's hard. This is fucking hard. And do you go, how often do you go to AA meetings? Um, you know, I, I go probably two or three times a week and there's, there's one meeting that I particularly love that's, um, in East Dallas that where, I don't, there's something about desperate people. If you are desperate to get sober, God, I love drunks who are desperate to get sober because they have the desperation of a drowning man, and that's gonna that's when they're that's when you're gonna grab the life preserver. Right, right. And and unfortunately, even though Adam is the a great husband, or let's say your wife is is fabulous, you can't grab onto her. She can't. She she's not. She can't help you with this. Yeah. You know? Do you keep alcohol in your home? I do. And it it's okay because I'm recovered now. Is that, I mean, is that It's normal? almost like, I mean, okay, if you are allergic to, and I, I say it's an allergy to alcohol because you have an abnormal reaction once you put it in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you crave it. Like, and, but it's it's so bad for you. Let's say you have you're allergic to strawberries. Okay, mm-hmm. you could keep strawberries in your house, sure. loaded by the crate. Now you know would something would be wrong if you're sitting outside the grocery store, Jones, and for some strawberries. You know, mm-hmm. but but if your guests come over, they can have the strawberries. Sure. Why deny them the strawberries? You know, is is that something that AA condones in terms of their their teaching theory. I well, mean, would they I can't, say, I would can't they really s- talk about that that much because it's getting into the, like the philosophies of the program. But but Rick, if you if you are well and you're 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 recovered, many many alcohol, uh, sober alcoholics recovered have booze okay. in their house for for guests and that kind of stuff. Because why should you guys have to? Because I'm not I'm not obsessed. Like I haven't. It's this is the miracle of it all. Mm-hmm. There's that bottle, before I got well, 
I mean, like, I wouldn't be listening. I wouldn't be getting to know you at all. Mm -hmm. I would be obsessed with that bottle and watching every little, like, his glass was there. Now it's down to there. Are they going to drink enough? Are they going to have enough for me? Is he going to leave wine in there? Mm -hmm. Right. And leave it? Mm -hmm. That's all I'd be thinking about. Mm -hmm. And I haven't even looked at it until... Now that is the miracle of it. It, it's it's that's why it's mainly a disease of the mind. Interesting. So uh, I know you're you're heavily involved with a lot of philanthropic causes in mm-hmm. in South Dallas. Yes. Um, and I'd love to hear mainly more the bridge, about that, the, the bridge. homeless shelter. Yeah. yeah. Was the alcoholism and recovering for that? Was that an impetus to get involved with that? You think? Well, you know, my mom was a big. Um, was a big philanthropic woman, and um, she was she was just a really she was a left wing liberal. Okay, she was marching for gay rights before people mm. even had come out of the closet. So it's hereditary. That's how you got it. <laughs> yeah, she was big into like you um, stand up, poor indigent. She started a clinic in Georgetown, Texas, for indi- she's a, she was a nurse. Started a one operation with another doctor, free clinic for people who were uninsured and spoke only Spanish. And now it's, they have 100,000 clinics now. No kidding. I never knew that. Yeah. And Michael Dell, uh, Dell sponsors a lot of the clinics now. That's fantastic. And then my dad is also, um, he, well, they retired in Georgetown. That's where she started it. My dad just gave, um, I mean, he, he was a chemical engineer. It's not like he's loaded or anything, but he had saved and saved and saved, and he just donated a million dollars of all of his savings. Um, he was like, honey, there goes your inheritance, um, which is fine, to uh, Georgetown Theater to build a children's theater. And, There's something um, about uh, generosity that you know it, it's it, if you're if you're uh, if you big into faith you know it's mm-hmm. it's a gift of faith is generosity is one of them and it, and it I find it amazing people that have that because it's it's not something that I have mm-hmm. but it, it's a wonderful thing and it, it, that must be where you got it because you're heavily involved with the bridge right can you talk a little bit about that it, you know it, it, it seems like a, a very lofty goal but. I want to, along with Shannon Wynn, who has all the um, restaurants and down there and, um, you know, our Dallas mayor and everybody's involved in this bridge homeless shelter, we want to end homelessness in Dallas. And I think it can be done. It, this this shelter is so beautifully uh, done. It's architecturally pretty. And, and it's, it's we don't call the people that stay there, um, you know, uh, Homeless, they're guests. And you have to earn the right to be there. It's kind of like sobriety in a way. And a lot of those people do struggle with addiction. And, you know, that could be me if I didn't have all the the cushions Mm -hmm. that I have. You know? That could be you. You know? It's like you could, you, we just got, I guess that's what I, how I was raised. You're not special because you had a more privileged upbringing and more things at your disposal to beat your disease of alcoholism or, 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 um, you could work for free. I didn't have to work at McDonald's. I could work for free for four years for these reporters because I had plenty of financial backing. So my parents raised me, you're not special. You're lucky. Mm-hmm. You're just lucky. Right. And it's up to you to give back. Um, it's not because you're such a great person. So what's more difficult, being married to your husband for as long as you have mm-hmm. or giving birth to triplets? <laughs> I think getting, being married is the hardest thing I've ever done. It is so hard. Which, by the way, Sabrina has given birth to, to triplets. Yeah. Triplets. Like, to me, did you like how I glossed right over that? Yeah, I was you like, just kind yeah, of, like, you made that sound like very like, easy. No, yeah, I'm just giving birth to triplets, yeah. Well, they had a C-section. They just took them out, and, you know. Yeah, I so just, what was that like? So okay. when you went no, to the doctor, no, the pregnancy oh, so, was awful. So you had triplets the easy way. 
So yeah. when, <laughs> when, when you and your when you when you and your husband you know found out you were pregnant, yeah, and you scheduled the appointment with the with the doctor. No, that didn't happen. None of that happened. None of that happened. No. Okay. So I'd already had my son, right? Yes. This is what you call it. Well, they say that in the rooms of recovery, it's called self will run riot. Okay. And that's what I have a lot of self will instead of like God's will or a higher power's will. I want to get in there and I want to do this, right? So, so uh, I. Uh, I had already, I wasn't infertile. I had a son. Yeah. But in my mind, I wasn't, I, I wasn't getting pregnant and I wanted another kid. Well, so the doctor says, no, you're, you're well, you're not, you're probably not ovulating um, because of stress and stuff like that because I was still working. So here's a fertility shot. And 5% of the people, they get twins. But most, you know, 95% just, get, you know, maybe don't even get pregnant. I go, give me the shot. Give me the shot. Nothing will happen. And so we went home and we did it. Um, and it was like the worst sex ever. <laughs> ever. Can we talk about that? Which, which means it was For still great. Seconds. Not that The that worst sex ever, time, yes. But generally speaking, isn't that the worst sex ever when it's the... Yeah. It's, it's sex under the veil of... We have to procreate. We have to. Pro- well, that's all it was. I was like, "Do we need to get porn? What do we need?" I mean, I mean, what do we need to get you going? And he was like, "Quit putting pressure on me. You're mean. Stop it." And I was like, "Hurry up. We've got to make a baby." What is it about women? They get. They do get mean. They get mean. It's like and, the mama bear. Yes, so it, it is. Comes out and it's. Re- I mean, it, it. It was horrible. And so after it was, the act was completed. I remember laying back on the pillow and him going. There is no way that that awful sex we just had produced a child. There is no way. Not only did it produce a child, it produced three. Three. So so let's go back. What I was going to ask you is, so when you found out you were pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you make the appointment with your OBGYN and you go in and it's, I'm pregnant, you're happy. Right. And when did the moment occur when somebody looks at you and, mm-hmm. and your husband, if he is there, and, and says to you guys, oh, hey, congratulations, you're pregnant, healthy, you're having triplets. Um, and then did he pass out <laughs> after he heard that? Great questions. Uh, you probably heard this story so many times. I bet you have. Um, so we, uh, I had to go in the hospital because I was so sick from whatever the the um the hormone is that causes you to get sick cuz it was triple whatever it was so i go to the hospital i don't even know i'm pregnant i just know i can't quit throwing up and i'm so sick and so the guy at the er says and i was so dehydrated and adam and i were just sitting there and the guy says could it is there a chance you're pregnant and i was like well that was six weeks. I was we like, just okay. had bad sex. Yeah. Yeah. We, and I said, six weeks. <laughs> well, I am. maybe. Yeah, I guess I could be. And I said, I, we had this shot, and, and the guy's just looking at me. The, and he goes, let's do a sonogram and see. And so he's doing the sonogram. And he's, Adam's down by the sonogram <laughs> thing, and he says, Sir, you have three babies. And my husband said, oh, shit. <laughs> and he's had that look on it, comatose look on his face yes. ever since. Three weddings. Three weddings. Three right there. Bat mitzvahs, if we do y- that. Yes. I mean, he walks around comatose, and he's had that look ever since, just tell me where to go, what to do. And when they all came out girls, we didn't find out the sex of the babies either. Mm-hmm. Um, and his business partner, this is so funny, because we didn't want to f- find out what they were. And and uh, so his, so it was a big surprise that you know we had a son and then that we have these three girls, and so his business partner sends a big gift to the hospital. It's this big giant gift with a big pink bow around it, and we open it up and it's one of those tampon machines that <laughs> you find at restaurants. That is awesome. He ordered it from a restaurant supply company. That is great. We put it up on our bathroom wall and we put pink cigars in it. People, all the kids, neighborhood kids, loved it. They put a quarter in it. <laughs> it, it, well, and first of all, he he's not comatose. He is he's uh, it, great dad. Takes those girls everywhere, and they're yeah, they're three wonderful girls. Y'all have done a great job raising your kids. They're all they're all so 
Miles is such a good kid, and the, the triplets are awesome. They they really are. So y'all have done. It, it, I, and it's amazing that y'all have done such a good job raising kids, <laughs> in spite of going through everything you went through. I I almost think it makes it easier, because there are really you guys. And think about this when you're tucking your kids in tonight, and anybody, you know, maybe could get that um, from listening to this. There are no big deals. You know, our kids are healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess if you've been in hell before, like coming down off of alcohol or drugs, and mm-hmm. that's hell. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, so Susie not making the cheerleading squad, it your life's still going to be okay. Yeah. Right. Maybe. And they need to learn that. <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. not. So, who, since you you had this desire to be a reporter at a young age, who did you grow up admiring and wanting to be, you know, as a reporter? And then, who do you admire today the most? Um, you, know, I, I've really adm- I, I, I'm a big fan of Anderson Cooper and the reason of today because, you know, he gets a lot of flack because you know he was Glory Vanderbilt's son mm-hmm. and privileged kid and all this kind of stuff but he worked his butt off for everything almost twice as hard to prove to to prove that he was he was different and i feel that he's got um just a warmth about him still a more humanity Uh you know than um some of the other reporters growing up it was just like the local houston like to me that was my whole world is houston yeah i just oh i just idolize those all of those guys, Dave Ward, Sheriff Fryer, I still remember all of them. Okay. And then the other question I have is, be, because you are an alcoholic, right, right? And, and your friend circle mm-hmm. is aware of that, how many times do people come up to you and, and, and pepper you with questions mm-hmm. about alcoholism, mm-hmm. wanting you to give them diagnose some information them. to self-diagnose? Just like mm-hmm. you did. Mm-hmm. With the lady down the street a long time mm-hmm. ago. Right. Well, that's always a good indicator is when someone asks a lot of... I like the questions. I yeah. like helping people. That helps keep me sober. It's what I live for. I mean, I like doing things for the bridge and everything, but there's nothing like the magic than helping like another woman get sober and see her life completely change. You know? Um and and actually see her live to where she she might have died otherwise, you know. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm playing a part in that. It's just I get to witness it. I just gave her the. I just showed her what I did. And very few people. It it like I said, they have to be so desperate, and that and that's what. Uh, it's almost like a gift. Desperation mm-hmm. is right. And so a lot of people, my friends, um. They know I've gotten in recovery. Um, I feel like a lot of my friends, both men and women, will share if they're going through a hard time with me and somewhat to my husband too, open up a lot more because they know we both have been. Yeah. I mean, he has his struggles with different things too. And it's not alcohol. We all do. But yeah. And, and, and so he's, he's really learned a lot through. Like, I think his faith in something bigger than him, his higher power, I like to call it that because I don't want to get into, I don't think just one way is the only way um, to to God. But so I think people share a lot of things. You do get a lot of questions. And it usually starts out as, I have a friend. Yeah. <laughs> even though Even though I may know them really, really well. And that still is, and that's okay. And I'm never going to say, "Oh yeah, you." I know you're talking about yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know? And and is it hard for you? Let's say you go to a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. Friends invite you. You know, there's going to be a lot of alcohol consumed. Yeah. How hard is it for you to go to a party like that where all of your friends are consuming alcohol? Is there? Mm-hmm. Is it? You have to kind of put yourself through a. Mental, not at all. Not it's it's not as hard it's as been what, removed because it's the obsession that I can do this too has been removed. That's interesting. I don't even want to. I mean, yeah, because I I I know what will happen. I mean, good for you. I would love it. Get your buzz on. I just know that I wouldn't be getting my buzz on. What I would do is I drink and drink and drink and drink, get so sick and say mean things and and. uh 
do things to embarrass my kids, my husband, and just it it, it would be horrible. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be fun. Um, and uh, so, yeah, no, it's, it's not even stealing yourself. What's so great about, that's the miracle of it. I don't even know how it works. All I know is that I, I do the work, and this happens. Mm-hmm. You see what that's I mean? Amazing. Like, the, do the work every day. You have to do certain things. I mean, you don't have to, but prayer, meditation, helping others is a huge part of it. It doesn't even have to be another alcoholic. Like, you know, some of my guy friends, like, Brett could call me. I mean, I got a call from a guy the other day who struggles with food. I mean, he struggles. He's like, Sabrina, I, I just... You're calling me fat again, are you? No. He, and by the way, I, I, I'm not the person who called her. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things where he's like, now he's got diabetes. And now he, he's just going, but I cannot stop. He goes, and this is a successful guy. He's like, do you know what that feels like? I'm like, you yeah. know I know what it feels like. Yeah. To, and he goes, but it, it's crazy because he even got me to see it from different, like, I don't have to drink alcohol. He has uh, to yeah. eat. You have to eat, you know? Yeah, and then, be, you know, because their, their alcoholism can be something that's genetic. Oh, yes, yes. It, well, it is genetic. And, and so... Are you at all concerned about your children? Yes. I'm sure you yes. are. I mean, obviously, yes. the, the the answer is yes. But, but even more so. I mean, just being vigilant. Chances are one out of the four has got the gene. And do you say, have at least? Do you talk to them? Yeah, I've talked even well, now. I, I mean, know, I, I really did with my son to the point where I saturated him. Mm-hmm. And and you know what he doesn't drink, as far as I know. I mean, he still says he doesn't, and I haven't caught him. And he's a you know that's. That's fine. But I thought it was because of me being so outspoken about recovery. He told me the other day, he goes, it has nothing to do with it, Mom. I don't want to be kicked off the basketball team. <laughs> Perfect. That's it. Yep. Yeah. You know? And so there, are they going to try it? W- will they maybe even get hooked? Maybe. And there's a higher chance of that. But, but I'm okay knowing that I have a solution. Mm-hmm. You know? So... Uh, our time here is coming to an end. So, first of all, thank you very much for being with us. And this has been your story. so good it's, for me. I'm no, so it's, glad it's we been did great. This. But uh, the question I have for you is, as we wrap up is: somebody listening to this thinking, you know what? I might have a problem. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend they do? I would recommend they get in a twelve-step program. How how would they go about doing that? Just call in the local just, AA just chapter. Just look or? up look up AA or look up rehab facilities or look up I don't even think you have to do rehab so to speak I, I just think you need to go go to, go to a meeting and, and they, can, they can go sit in and listen in and without having mm-hmm. to share their story yes, they can do it yes. anonymously it's well, yes. I mean, that's the yes. A and AA right yes. so I would say get help and realize you're not bigger than this thing and that and what would it hurt it's certainly not going to hurt going to check it out Right. Find you out. Sit there. Yeah. Yeah. And and then diagnose yourself. And if if you decide that you are, I think that um, then it you know, just knowing that you can, if you do want to quit any kind of destructive, repetitive, addictive behavior, it all these twelve step programs they work. I mean, they really do. So there and you can solution. be happy. Yes, there's a solution. There, and there's you can a solution be happy. available. Well, you are you are certainly proof of that. Thank you so a wonderful much. lady. Thank you so much for being here, Sabrina. I really appreciate it. Really. You're so welcome. I'm so glad I came. And thanks, everybody, for joining us. Again, please uh, visit us at facebook.com slash insignificantotherspodcast. Let us know your thoughts and ideas. Once again, Sabrina Schiller, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.